Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Let us pray. Most holy and everlasting God, we bless your holy name. Thank you for your faithfulness, O oh God. Thank you, dear God, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for keeping us another week, O oh God. Thank you for keeping our loved ones, O oh God. Thank you, God, that in the middle of a pandemic that you are still God. And we bless your name for every blessing. We bless your name for every breath we take. And we just thank you for being a God of love who loves us in spite of our shortcomings. We give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I thank God for our music ministry, for our worship team, our worship I thank God for our multimedia team. I thank God for the privilege of being in worship. Of all the places in the world that I could be, there's no place like worship so that we might praise God in spirit and in truth. I've been talking with Nehemiah all week. And I've been asking Nehemiah, what are you really saying? And I have read chapter 9 over and over and over again. It says in verse number 33 of chapter 9, In all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully while we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, and our ancestors did not follow your law. And they did not pay attention to your commands or the statutes you warned them to keep. And even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land that you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. My, my, my. But see, here we are, slaves today. Slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. And verse number 37 says, because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. 
They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please, and we are in great distress. This morning, I want to preach from the Samanic thing, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Can I say it again? The whole truth and nothing but the truth. I discovered that there are three dimensions of the whole truth. Telling the truth embraces confession. Secondly, telling the whole truth highlights the nature of sin. And thirdly, telling the truth encourages transparency. I am fascinated by Genesis chapter 3. And when we go back to the Old Testament and we look at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden of paradise, it's amazing to me, Minister Benita, how they could stray so far from God. In verse number one, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any trees in the garden? Did God really say? Did God really say that you sing like an angel? Did God really say you're called to serve? Did God really say that you could be a worship leader? Did God really say that you could be a musician in the Lord's house? Did God really say all these things to you? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, the woman chose to... She took some of it and she ate it, my, my, mind. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves, my Lord. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. It appears that Adam had a problem with the truth. And it appears at times, church, that many of us have a struggle with the truth. We like to compare ourselves to other human beings, and we realize that when we compare ourselves to others, we can always say, that, well, my sin was not quite that bad. Yes, I did shoot three people, but he shot nine. Or I did this, I robbed one house, but he robbed eight. You see, whenever we use human flesh as a boundary for the truth, we get in trouble because there is only one truth, and the truth comes from Almighty God. I find that if you go and read the history of Israel and you look at God's relationship with them, they were always and arrogant people who did not want to obey God. 
Have you ever met anybody like that? The only thing they want to do is find where there is some loophole so that they can get away with their sins. In the, and I go back and I look at Exodus and Moses. He told the Israelites, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Who wouldn't serve a God like that? And the word says, Deacon Shireen, that over and over again that God kept loving Israel, but Israel kept disobeying God. And it seemed that the more he poured love on them, the more arrogant they became. And he says that the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord. And many of them perished, and even the priests who approached the Lord consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Even though God was giving them a word from God, allowed the people to see him, they were still disobedient. Have you ever had that desire to just disobey God? A whole truth, and nothing but the truth, is that we are all sinners saved by grace. And the word of God says that we need to align our minds and our lives with the word of God so that we can be used by God. And although the ancient Israelites rejected God and spurned his invitation for a relationship, he still deeply desires a relationship with human beings. And though God punished the Israelites, he was never completely rejected them or their descendants. You see what we discover in the midst of the pandemic and all the things going on in the world is that regardless of what we do, God loves us. So God loves us because that's the type of God that we serve. So what is truth? A simple definition drawn from the Bible teaches that truth is that which is consistent with the mind, the will, the character, glory, and being of God. Can I say it again? Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Truth is not about your mood swings. Truth is not about what you think. Truth is not about what I think. Truth is about that which is consistent with the mind, the will, the character, glory, and being of God. And even more to the point, truth is the self-expression of God. That is the biblical meaning of truth because definition of truth flows from God and truth is a theological concept. Truth is also ontological, which is a fancy way of saying it is the way things really are. There are 10 people in the sanctuary, right? That's the truth. That's the truth, right? The truth is that some people in Jacksonville, Florida are going to the beach and they're not doing sheltering in place they're not doing six feet apart because they have decided their truth is that I would rather get a tan and look good than be safe and what we find is is that human beings rarely 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 really want to hear the truth so God is the author of truth and it's impossible to experience truth without some time with God the Old Testament refers to the Almighty as the God of truth Deuteronomy 32.4, Isaiah 65.16. When Jesus of himself says, I am the truth, emphasizes that I am the truth. Jesus is saying that nobody else is truth except me and I receive my truth from the Father. 
He was thereby making a profound claim about his own deity, and he was also making it clear that all truth must ultimately be defined in terms of God and his eternal glory. Truth cannot be explained by your mood swings. Truth cannot be explained by how you feel when you wake up. Truth cannot be explained about your relationship with other human beings. After all, Jesus is the brightness of glory and the express image of his person. Jesus also said that the written word of God is truth. It does not merely contain nuggets of truth. It is pure and unchangeable, and truth will stand on its own. And praying to his heavenly Father on behalf of his disciples, he said, Sanctify them, dear God, by your truth. And moreover, the word of God is eternal truth which lives and abides forever, forever, and ever. The truth that existed for my grandmother is the same truth that exists for me. God's truth does not change. God's word does not change. And what we need to understand is that God's truth will stand forever. Let nobody deceive you into believing that God's truth can be changed. Because the word says, what that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I also discovered from chapter 9 is that the whole truth embraces confession. And that's an area in the life of the church that we need to step up. The word confession is often misunderstood and misapplied. We think of confession as an uncomfortable person-to-person -person event, whether before a professional, clergy person, or with a friend we have wrong. If we were to draw a picture of someone confessing, we'd probably draw an embarrassing expression on their face. In the opening chapter of 1 John, verse 9, we get an accurate picture of what confession involves. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If that's the case, why doesn't the church confess? Why is it that we don't have an altar prayer to call everybody forth to confess our sins? Because the word of God says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? if we confess our sin. There are common misunderstandings about confession. Confession does not mean asking for forgiveness. God doesn't tell us to ask for forgiveness. When we confess, we can expect forgiveness from God. God's promises are absolute. He also promises to cleanse us from all of un unrighteousness. Confession is not a person-to-person -person event it's a conversation, Sister Connie, that takes place between a person and God. Confession is not something we do to earn forgiveness. We do not earn our forgiveness. The forgiveness is already given. All the Lord is asking us to do is confess our sins, and we have already been forgiven. Jesus has already earned the forgiveness and cleansing that God grants us as gifts. So why don't we confess? The Greek word John uses for confess means to say the same thing. To say the same thing as who? To say the same thing that God says. When we confess, we describe something exactly as God describes it. Confession is honest and transparent before the Lord. Yes, God, I robbed you of worship. 
yes, God, I did not follow your prompting through the Holy Spirit. Yes, God, I ate too much, and you told me that I should not do that. Yes, God, you told me not to stay out late on Saturday night, but I stayed anyway. Yes, God, I didn't follow up. So we need to learn that confession is a cleansing process for the soul. If you feel heavily burdened and you feel that there's some things that are weighing you down, maybe it's time for you to confess your sins and experience the forgiveness of God. The Greek word for clean means unmixed, like pure water with no surgery flowing, stirred in. When we confess to God that we have tried to live independently from him and we want to join ourselves to him, he responded by cleansing us, making us pure as the core of our being. That initial cleansing is a one-time event that happens at salvation. If you need to be cleansed, all you have to do is go to the Lord Jesus Christ and say that I want to be cleansed again and I want to be cleansed by your spirit. I want to feel the presence of Lord and I want to know that I am worthy to praise my almighty God. Jesus said much the same thing to Peter. If you look at John 13, 10, Peter was arguing with Jesus about whether Jesus should wash more than his feet. And Jesus told Peter that he was already clean. The one-time event was salvation, but that he still needed dust washed off his feet repeatedly. And so with us, John tells us that if we agree with God that we have dusty feet, meaning we confess, Jesus will send away or forgive the dust and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can the church say amen? But as we walk in these mortal bodies, as we walk in this flesh, we learn that the whole truth highlights the nature of sin. There's something seductive about sin. There's something enticing about sin. And sin seems to be intriguing to people in Psalm 44. The Bible says, stand in awe and sin not, and commune with your own heart on your bed and be still. In uttering the word sin, how few are there amongst men and women, even those serious minds who connect with the sentiments and feelings corresponding to his own truth. Yet this is a word pregnant with all the terrible calamities which the flesh is heir to. The nature of sin is a gathering evil. Sin takes us out of the presence of our Lord. Sin is a deceiving powder. It always wears a mask. You see, sin in the gardens looked like the serpent, but the serpent was wrapped to look like a rose. And so when the woman saw the serpent and the sin of what's coming into her life, she didn't see it for what it really was. How many of you, I don't expect you to say amen, have ever sinned and you realize later on that the enemy played you for a fool? Have you ever sinned and realized that you ended up in a place that you said you would never go? Have you ever looked at yourself and realized that I think I've been had on this? You see, sin is a gradual hardening of the heart and every fresh act of sin is the shutting up of some pure or mortal sensibility. Sin is seducing. Sin cannot be undone. Sin is a contagious evil. It affects those around us because sin draws others into the equation. If you are a sinful person and you hang out 
with a sinful person, then it's more than likely that you're going to become a greater sinner. Because sin, yeah, it promotes itself. The other definition of sin says that sin is not of God. The sin is lawlessness. I believe that this is the best definition in that there is sin in the Bible. You see, sin is, think about it for a minute, it is really an equal sign. So you could say that sin is lawlessness. That is, sin is the breaking of the law. And so everyone who sins is breaking the law. But the enemy will lead us to believe that that's okay. The Lord is all right with this. That's okay. The Lord will forgive you. But church, I'm telling you today that we need to be cognizant of the sin in our lives. And we need to pray and ask God show us the sin in be removed. Third point that I want to make is the whole truth encourages transparency. If we can't be transparent with God, it's no way we can be transparent with each other. And transparency allows you to look at yourself as you really are. Transparency allows you to say, you know, I could have done better with that. Transparency allows you to say that, no, I'm not all I should be, but I'm trying as hard as I can. Transparency says, yes, I messed up on Saturday, but I'm trying to do it right on Sunday. One of the things that I really like about the Apostle Paul is that he was always transparent. He was always saying that, no, 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 don't, don't lift me up. I'm not worthy to be lifted up. I'm not all of that. If you go to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, I love it when Paul says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Paul said, by this gospel you are saved. And if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Paul said, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Paul said that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers. And Paul and sisters, I'm sorry, goes on to say, most of whom are still living. And he says, though some have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and to the last, he appeared to me also. Imagine this. Paul is saying, I am the sinner of sinners. I am a persecutor of the church. I am a murderer, and I am the least person that God should have saved. But Paul says that not only did the Lord take time to show himself to everybody else, but he also took the time to show himself to me. Hallelujah. Paul said that he showed himself to James and all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me. And he said, I was one abnormally born. And verse number nine, he says, for I am the least of the apostles. I put my name in there. I am the least of preachers. I am the least of pastors. I am the least of servants. But God took the time to show himself to me. And Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. 
There is power in knowing who you are. There's power in humility. There's a power being able to say, God, I'm not worth any of the blessings that you bestowed upon me. But because you are a righteous God, because you are a gracious and faithful God, I stand here today not because I'm worthy, but because you are God. Paul said, but by the grace of God, hear me, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Not because I'm brilliant, not because I'm smart, not because I made all the right decisions, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I stand on his word. And he said, and his grace to me was not without effect. I don't go a day that I don't thank God for his grace and his mercy. He could have blessed somebody else, but he took the time to bless me. And he said, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul says, but his grace was not without effect. It's because of his grace that I praise him in the morning and praise him at the midnight hour. It's because of his grace that I rise up in the morning and I open my Bible and I take the time to say, thank you, God, for another day. Because of his grace, I'm not in the hospital this morning. Because of his grace, I haven't died yet. Because of his grace, my family is with. And if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith so on this day I tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth we serve an awesome God we serve an awesome God who sent his son to redeem us from sin we serve an awesome God who gave us the promise that on the third day I'm gonna get up we serve an awesome God because the whole truth and nothing but the truth is the Lord got up on the third day. And I shout hallelujah because his truth I can believe. Hallelujah because his record is worthy of praising. We serve a God of righteousness, a God of truth, and a God of love. It is my heart's desire that everyone will know the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It's time for us to stop making it up and tell the truth according to the word of Almighty God. It is my blessing today that everyone under the sound of my voice will experience the presence of Jesus Christ in their lives. And I pray that everyone will have a savior. I don't know how people live without a savior. I don't know how you live without someone to call on. I don't know how you live in a world of darkness, distress, anger, poverty, hunger, disaster without a savior. So I extend the invitation today to anyone under the sound of my voice who needs to be saved. And if you are ready to receive the free gift of salvation, I ask you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. 
Please come, Lord, into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I confess. I ask for forgiveness and I ask you to come into my heart, take control of my life so that I may be used by you. And now we will hear from our worship team. Praise the Lord. www.pgc-carry.org Thank you again.